What's up, Tony? Hey. Hey, Tony. You were just in Arizona. How was it? Man, it was awesome. Not as hot as everyone promised me it would be that week. So I got lucky. It was like high of 98. But it's dry heat. So I didn't think it was that bad. (laughs) It's funny. Like, I've done stand-up comedy a few times in my life. And I just, I love stand-up comedy. I absolutely love it. And one of the things I love about stand-up comedy is a stand-up com- a good stand-up comedian can take the most regular, normal, mundane things and make it absolutely hilarious. And one thing that I've always wanted to do a sketch on and see like, if, it, if I can find a way to make it funny or not is it is impossible for anybody to discuss Arizona without bringing up the heat and specifically the dry heat. It is always <laughs> part of, it is constantly like as soon as you bring up Arizona, someone's like, but it, it's a dry heat every single time. You know, that's, <laughs> that's such a good point. But for me, it was a revelation. Like I had heard that a million times. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize I was repeating a trope when I said it. Um, because when I was there, I was like, it's 90 degrees and it's not that bad. Yeah. Yep. It's I true. hadn't experienced that before. Yeah. It's funny. It's the same here in Dallas. Like, and I think it's probably slightly more humid here than it, than it is in Arizona. But it's the same thing where it's like, it'll be like 98, 102. And I'm like, this feels amazing. Whereas I grew up in the Northeast. And in the Northeast, like it gets to 80. And I'm like, ugh, just feels like I'm, I'm walking through a, a, a steam room. It's just mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. Yeah. DC is not much better. Do you prefer saunas or steam rooms, like a dry heat sauna or like a a more wet steam room? I don't know that I've spent enough time in either to have Mm. a preference. Uh, I've been in like the sauna where they have the like the the hot rocks in the middle. Yeah, I love that. Is that a steamer or a sauna? No, that's a sauna. That's That's a a sauna. sauna. Yeah, there's still... Steam. Yeah, it, it can get a little bit heavy in there, but like that, that's definitely still a sauna. Yeah. Steam okay. room is heavy. Like it's so much steam, you can't even really see it. Like sometimes it hurts to breathe in through your nose for whatever reason. Like I don't even know why that happens, but like sometimes in a steam room, like it'll, it'll like sting my nose when I like take a deep breath in and I don't like it. It sounds like you're breathing in tiny, tiny particles of boiling water. That's yeah, what I guess that that's sounds exactly like to me. right. That can't be yeah. good for you. I mean, I'm not going to get into the science, but I know <laughs> just from a preference perspective, I love the sauna and I hate the steam room. Yeah. How do you feel about a cold, like an ice, like a Ugh, not an ice bath, but like the cold pool that you go in after the sauna? It's not like icy, but it's oh, just oh, cool. got it. Not like the ice baths. Just like yeah, I think that can feel nice. That they can feel refreshing. Yeah. Um, me personally, I, I love heat and I hate cold. Like I abs anything cold, I hate it. I absolutely unless it's like an ice cold refreshing beverage. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like I don't like putting my body into cold uh, environments. It's just I fucking hate it. The heat all day, love it. Sweating, no, pr- I sweat anyway. I sweat peeling an orange. Sweat like I don't care. The cold is just the worst. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm from Chicago, and uh, invariably, not a single human being can bring up Chicago without being like, oh, <laughs> exactly. but it gets so cold in the winter. 
That's so true. It's so true. Yeah. And the first thing that people talk about with Chicago is the cold. It's exactly yeah. right. Um, all right, man. So today we're doing a Q&A. Nice. People can't hear the nod, Tony. Yeah, they I know. Can't. I realize that. I'm sorry. I will nod uh, verbally from now on. All right. So I picked out a bunch of questions from my Instagram Q&A. Figured we'll just go through them and, uh, and we'll just answer them one by one. We'll have some conversations around it. Perfect. If you have anything you want to add or any questions on top of it, you are absolutely welcome to do that. I'm looking cool. forward to it. Awesome. Has anyone been messaging you? Actually, no, because I haven't published any of the podcasts that we've done yet. But soon, people, if if you're listening to this <laughs> one, you're probably listening. This is the fourth one we've we've recorded together over the last month and a half or so. Yeah, and I haven't published any of them yet. I'm just really bad with publishing stuff. Like it could be all done. I have a which is a good and a bad thing because I have a backlog of YouTube videos, a backlog of podcasts. So eventually, once I get to it, boom, then they go, and and all will be good. You know what but, I'm uh, looking forward to. Honestly, with when I hear you say that, I'm like, I hope you take a sabbatical and that nobody knows because the podcasts <laughs> yeah. are just coming out like clockwork and you're That'd like be amazing, right? traveling around the world or something. Yeah. <laughs> or just like hanging out with my wife and daughter, just like yeah. not doing any work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited for you for that. <laughs> um, okay. So, you know, I got a really nice message from a, a woman named Jackie yesterday. I just want to share it because I think. I think this is relevant. She sent me a screenshot of, and I've never spoken to this woman before in my life. I've never spoken to her. So random message from someone I haven't spoken to, but it was very kind. And it was a screenshot of a kettlebell video that I made uh, a few years ago. I believe this one was from like 2018 or 2019. And she said, hey, Jordan, I was just Googling kettlebell swing videos. And I saw the first one I saw was this one from 2018, 2019, the screenshot she sent me. And then the second one I saw was one that you did in 2014 on YouTube. And she said, you went from a timid and maybe a little nervous young kid to blatant with a Boston accent. And I love them both. I love seeing how far you've come and you growing your adorable family. Thanks for all the great content. I really like this for a number of reasons. Number one is I've been making content since July of 2011. I've been doing this for a long time now. It's been almost almost 12 years. Mm -hmm. uh, this July will be 12 years, which is crazy. And so many people, and, and I know like people with a large audience say this all the time, but so many people ask me, so many people ask me. I'll be honest if no one asked me. Yesterday I posted on my story, like nobody asked me, but like this is what I do in the morning. And uh, But all the time people are like, how do you get more confident on camera? How do you make better content? It's like, I've been doing it for almost 12 years. And the number one thing is if you want to get better at anything, but especially making content, but literally anything, you just, you got to do it. And you yeah. have to understand that you're going to suck at it in the beginning. You will suck. There's no way around it. And I think you should embrace it. You should enjoy being a beginner because when you're a beginner, there are no expectations on you to be good. That's the best part about being a beginner is you're a beginner and you can always fall back on being a beginner. I think the better you get, the more pressure there becomes, right? It's like there's no pressure on little kids playing t-ball. No one right. cares. They're they're brand new. They're fresh. But as they get older, they go to middle school, they go to high school, they go to college, they go to minor league, they go to pro ball. 
the pressure increases, the stakes increase. So uh, if you're a beginner, I mean, embrace it and, and just be okay sucking. And if someone says you suck, be like, yeah, of course I suck. I'm a beginner. What's your excuse, right? It's like, so that's number one. And the other thing is, and this is sort of like a, an undertone to it where she found a video from 2014 and a video from like 2018 or 2019 about the same thing, mm-hmm. a kettlebell swing. I make content about the same stuff over and over and over and over and over, mainly for a couple of reasons. Number one is I have my scope of expertise that I'm not willing to I'm not willing to make content about things I'm not an expert in unless I explicitly say, hey, this is just conjecture. Like this is not advice Mm -hmm. or anything. This is just me spewing what I think. But if you're going to make content about your area of expertise, no matter what your area of expertise is, there's a limit to that. And you're going to have to make content around that same thing, the same general topics. For me, it's, it's strength training, nutrition, overall health and wellness, behavior change like these are my areas of expertise and but even within strength training there are clear demarcation lines right where it's like kettlebells i that's what i started with when i was a young kid as a teenager i know kettlebells and i know the power lifts and i know general strength training you get me talking about this the clean and the snatch that's not my area of expertise i don't know olympic weightlifting i don't know the the clean and the snatch technique well enough to give like real in-depth technique videos on it but even then within kettlebells like i know kettlebells but like the kettlebell sport is a separate topic entirely mm-hmm. so i would never talk about kettlebell sport because it's different i know all about weightlifting and, and all that but i wouldn't talk about crossfit necessarily because that's a separate sport that i haven't taken part in so you're going to be if you want to get good at something do it over and over and over and over again, no matter what, the beginning is going to suck. And then also, if you're talking about something and you're trying to teach, I would be very aware to stay in your lane and understand that you're going to make topics, make content around the same topics over and over and over again. And that's the name of the game. Yeah. What was the Bruce Lee quote? I'm not afraid of the man who's practiced a hundred different punches one time. I'm afraid of the man who's practiced one punch a hundred times. Yeah, it's it's that's, something like you, that. you have the gist of it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid of the man who's practiced a thousand kicks there one time. I'm I'm afraid of the man who's practiced one kick a thousand times. Kicks yeah. in a thousand. Those are both more impressive than punches in a hundred. So. <laughs> it might even be 10,000 if I'm being honest. But yeah, you, you get the gist of it. It's you do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And this is something that I think is lost in social media these days where you look at someone who, even for example, you could go back to the to the thing that you were just saying where I, I hope you're traveling the world. It's so easy for people to look at what someone else is putting online and assume that that's actually what their life is mm. and, and assume that that's what their life is supposed to be, that everything is supposed to be crazy, new and exciting. And I think we're in a, in a place in society right now globally in which any moment of boredom is seen as bad. If you're bored, you're doing something wrong. Everything's got to be new and exciting. And I think this is one reason why we see people changing careers so often now. And there are pros and cons to that. I think there are pros in that you have many more options in terms of careers. You have many more opportunities. But the cons is is that if you keep changing careers over over and over and over and over and over and over, 
it's going to be very hard for you to grow and to get better and to grow within that career, grow within that area of expertise. You know, I've, I've had the same job for the last 12 years, right? Like that's it. And, and I think whether it's traveling or doing new and crazy and exciting things, I'll, I'll never forget this. I, a couple of years ago, I was talking to a very well-known YouTuber, very well-known, huge audience, very successful YouTuber. And I was trying to just pick his brain for some ideas and thoughts on how I could improve my YouTube. And I'll never forget what he said. He told, and I didn't take his advice because it didn't sit well with me, but he was like, listen, if you ever want to make content, just buy something expensive mm. and make content around it because people love that stuff. And and I get it because I've seen those videos and I get really involved in those videos and it can yeah. generate my excitement and I want to see what they do with it. But when you do that solely for content, then you're giving the impression that that's what your life is actually like, but you're actually only doing it for content. You're not doing it because that's what you would do normally. So people have this false idea that content creators are actually doing these things normally when in reality is they would never do it if it wasn't for the content. And so I, I think learning to be bored and having boredom as part of our lives is actually incredibly, incredibly important. I think this is one reason why we see relationships breaking down a lot now is because people are on social media and they see so many more options. So mm -hmm. like, oh, I could be with that person. I could be with that person. I could be with that person. It's like, or you could, and listen, like breaking up is normal and divorces are normal and all this is fine, but the rates are higher than ever. And I think it's because people are always looking to trade up, always looking and the grass is greener on the other side. And it's like, yeah, you could break up, especially if it's not a good fit, or maybe just try and develop a stronger connection with the person you're with and understand that the first six months to a year of a relationship in any relationship is going to be very different than years after that. Like it's constantly changing and there's nothing wrong with boredom. There's nothing wrong with things not changing all the time. Like that's that I think the majority of life is pretty boring and there are moments that are very exciting, but like not every day is supposed to be ridiculously exciting and outrageous. It's just not normal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you've probably spent time around people whose lives are a little more like that than I have, but if you're around those people, the impression I get is there's this frenetic energy that they just don't know what to do with. So they've mm -hmm. got to put it somewhere. They've got to put it somewhere. Um, and it can be a little unsettling um, to be yeah, around, that is. A hundred percent. And from my experience, a lot of times the people who are like that, it's not that they don't love what they're doing, but they very often do love what they're doing, but they're avoiding other things in their life mm -hmm. as well. And they're they're finding ways to avoid the really, really important things in their life by taking on other responsibilities and constantly adding more to their to-do list. And they're they're evading the conversations that need to happen and the time spent with the people that need time with them in order to to do other things. So yeah, it's definitely if your life is if you're following someone who's looking like their life is just constantly craziness and, and just nuts and fun and exciting and it's like I think most people I think they, they look at it on a screen on their phone in the comfort of their own home and think, oh, that would be so fun. I want that life. But if they were actually in that person's shoes, they'd be like, what the fuck? This is just not real. So real quick, speaking of new things, is that a new tattoo? Dude, it is a new tattoo. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't <laughs> notice that before. Uh, what yeah, is it? Man. 
Yeah, so it's uh, here, I'll show you. So he's got, just so people can listen, he's got a whole sleeve and it was peeking out from under his t shirt. <laughs> and holy cow, that's that's awesome. Isn't that the, the like artwork clock, like very like a oh, that's so cool. Yeah, the this this young kid, his name is Adolfo. And I felt he's he's a young kid, 26, he's from Mexico. Um such a hard worker. Unbelievably hard worker. Uh, you know, let me just give his Instagram a shout out just nice. because I want everyone to to go see him. Um, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Oh, perfect. Thank you. His Instagram is twin, T-W-I-N underscore H-G underscore twin underscore H-G underscore. He's from Mexico, 26 years old. He's got three kids and he is such a sweetheart. I actually felt really bad because... I didn't know his name and I, and I was like, I, I know your Instagram, but like, what's your name? And he's like, well, my name is Adolfo. And he said it really like, um, he, he said it, re- this could be a funny stand up comedy sketch. He said it like almost like he regretted his name. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, awesome. And, uh, and he was like, you could tell he wanted to say something, but he wasn't sure. And he was like, I was told that I shouldn't tell people that. And I was like, Why? And he goes, because Adolfo is like the Hispanic version of Adolf and, you know, Adolf Hitler. And I, and, you know, I'm finding this hilarious. I'm Jewish and like, and World War II and and specifically the Holocaust is something that I've just spent so much time studying. And I was like, absolutely not, bro. Like you should be proud of your name. It has nothing to do with him at all. Um, and and if anyone gives you shit for it, I'll just tell them to fuck off. Like that is it's it's separate. It's completely separate. It's a different name, and you're a different person. If I found like I don't know if I found someone who was German named Adolf, I'd be like, well, that's a little bit suspect. But like a Hispanic guy named Adolfo, it's just completely. It's it, it, he's such a sweetheart. He actually he he named one of his sons Adolfo, and his attention to detail was something I've never seen before. I mean, th- he is so talented, and so so yeah, that I, looks beautiful. I, Thank you, man. I'm I'm really happy with it. To get back to the the topic that we were discussing, um, mm. you know, I think about that with touring bands a lot. Mm. You know, there's this glamour around going on tour and like going from city to city and playing all these shows for different people, and it's aspirational. You know, people want to, especially when they're starting out, they really want to do that. That's a sign of success. You're leaving your hometown. You're going on the road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been doing sound long enough where I've just met so many of these bands and they're tired. You know, it's like they, yeah. they spend all day driving. They sh- they schlep all their gear. They put everything in. They get to the place. They do sound check. Maybe they eat some food. Maybe it's just pizza, you know, and they've been eating fast food on the road. And then they play their show and it's like two hours of this high, this high, mm-hmm. point, you know, Mm-hmm. And then the lights go off and everybody leaves and they're there loading up their gear, loading into the van, either crashing in like some cheap hotel outside of town or driving to the next spot that Mm -hmm. night. And, you know, unless you're, you know, really big, unless you've got a really large following, you know, you're just not making a ton of money for all of that work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... It's like the idea of like sitting and watching someone's Instagram being like seeing the highlight reel and being like, man, I want their life and not knowing what actually goes into that. That's just what that made me think of. Dude, a hundred percent. 
it's making me think of so I was just in Manchester a few weeks ago giving a, a couple presentations at a at a fitness conference there. And while I was there, I I had the amazing opportunity to see Tom Segura live. And he's like one of my favorite comedians of all time. And so I I basically Tom Segura's personal trainer reached out to me, unbelievably nice guy. And he was like, Hey, I've got tickets. Do you want to come see him? And I actually have a backstage pass if you'd like. And I was like, absolutely, bro. That would be a dream. So I took one of my buddies at the conference and went to go see Tom Segura. And number one, like I love his work. I'm a huge fan. And you go see this packed, packed. It was called the, the theater is called the Apollo O2 theater in Manchester packed. Like every seat was taken. People were losing their shit. And you look at this guy and you're like, man, like this guy, like everyone loves him. Da da da. That was his 302nd show straight. Mm. He's been touring since 2021 and it's 2023 and he's got two kids and a wife. It's like this guy's been on the road for two years. This is 302nd show straight. Yeah. Just think about that. Like he's giving an hour plus stand up comedy special that he's given 302 times, never mind the time it took him to come up with it all. And work on it and develop it. He didn't just go the first time and just come up with it randomly. Like he had to work for years to create this content and create this comedy routine and then gave it 302 times. And he had one more show in Iceland right after. And that was the last show of the tour. And so number one, it's, it's, you're seeing this guy on stage who's effortlessly doing this and the, all the work and the time and the effort and the the painstaking, the travel and everything just often goes over our head, but he's living it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he's not going to be a downer and talk about it and, and just like complain because he's not, he's not that guy, but like, it's important to realize how much work and what goes on behind the scenes in order to make that happen. And then when I got the backstage pass, I was, before I went backstage, I was thinking there's going to be a ton of people back there. It's going to be a big party. We're going to be like having drinks and fun and it'll be great. Dude, it it was only me and my buddy and Tom and then Tom's trainer and one other guy who was all, who opened. It was just, just us. It was like five of us and it was a grungy room mm-hmm. in the back of this theater. It was not a nice room and they had takeout and I felt bad because like Tom's clearly exhausted after 302 shows and then having people come backstage. Like, it wasn't a party. It was a, I'm exhausted and that's it. Like it's people here. Like I know when I heard backstage pass, I thought it was going to be a party. Right. And thank God for Tom. It wasn't a party. It was like, Hey, I just need to relax and take a load off. And he was super generous to take time. And, and all, he actually, he knows my brother it was the first thing he said. Oh, wow. My brother does stand up comedy. And so the first thing he said when he saw me, cause my brother, he's struggled with his weight his whole life. Uh, my brother recently lost 150 pounds, which has been incredible. And, uh, a huge part of my brother's stand-up routine has been about his own weight, being like self-deprecating about his weight. And so the first thing Tom said when he saw me and when I walked in the room, he was like, you're Lee's brother. That was the first thing he said. That's awesome. Uh, it, it was very cool. And I told my brother and that made him feel very good. But whole story, just to say the stuff that you see online, we all know the phrase, like the stuff we see online is a highlight reel, but it's more of a highlight reel than people realize. Mm-hmm. Like you, everyone knows, yeah, it's a highlight reel. We say that. But you don't even know how much of it is a highlight reel. Everything is curated 
just so that you can see like the the teeny snippets that can change your entire perspective. So so yeah, it was. I think it's very very important to understand that just because you see what someone is doing online and, and it might look fun or exciting or whatever it is, uh, odds are you wouldn't be willing to do what it is to get have that life, and you probably wouldn't like that life. Just I know for me personally, like there's no way in hell I would ever leave my family for two years to do a show and like all the respect to him and his family for, for doing that. But I don't want that life. That is for sure. Yeah. Like at all. Like I I couldn't imagine. He he even said, he was like, I shouldn't have signed that contract. He was like, that was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, that was, that was a bad idea. (laughs) It's tough though. You got opportunities coming and you don't know how many you're going to have or if they're going to come back. And it's exactly right. Man, that's crazy. But to go back to the the original post by Jackie, mm. I actually, when you and I first started working together, I dug back into your YouTube just to kind of, you know, see see what ground you had covered and this, that, and the other. And I think I texted you something very similar where I was like, man, mm. I just found this video from 2014. Like, it's like not <laughs> even the same. It's not even the same person. And that is so inspirational. You know, with these podcasts that we're doing together, I mentioned this in the in the first episode or so, but I don't usually get on podcasts. This is the first time I'm doing this on a regular basis. And I'm thinking about your YouTube video in 2014, and I'm looking at this like going into the dojo and just <laughs> yeah. getting reps in. And when you have to edit your own <laughs> voice on a podcast, <laughs> I thought that I could form sentences and it turns out <laughs> I have a really hard time completing thoughts and sentences. Uh, it's no, been, you don't. It's been no, excruciating, but in a healthy way, uh, it's been really cool to think about this as a skill and to learn. I love that about it. So I'm excited. And to I think here. you're great, bro. I, I wouldn't consistently bring someone on the podcast who wasn't good just because I don't want my listeners to have to suffer through horrible podcasts. So I, you can trust in me saying, I promise you, you are very good and you're only getting better, but you are, I think you're much better than you give yourself credit for. That's very sweet. Thank you. Of course, man. The other thing I'll add on to this is you said like, it's like a different person, right? What's interesting about that is I'm just more me yep. on camera now. Before, when I first started, I was trying not to, to be me, right? I was so nervous and I was so worried about what people would think that I would inadvertently put on a facade mm-hmm. and wasn't me. I would try and sound more professional and or I was just nervous being on camera and so I would sound weird. You could tell when someone's nervous, right? Now, I just am not nervous at all and I'm just talking to a friend because that's how I view the people who consume the mo- most of my content. I view them as friends. So I'm just talking to a friend and that's really it. And, and I think that's the skill there is learning to just be yourself yeah. no matter what. And, and I think that's what I've gotten better at over the years is just truly being me. And I, I was always worried as my audience started growing, I got worried. I was like, man, it would be so bad if someone met me in person and they're like, you are completely different in person than you are online. And so I, the best compliment I can get 
is when people meet me and they're like, you're exactly like you are online. Like that is awesome. So, so that's, that's, I think the best compliment I can ever get. And I think that's what fortunately I've been able to, to do over the years is just be more myself. Yeah. Something we can all learn from for sure. Okay. So we're going to go through, through the, the Q and a cool. Yeah, let's go. Now, the first one that we're going to talk about is, uh, we're going to get into other questions around, around weight loss and, and, and plateaus and consistency and how many calories to be eating. But we're going to talk about all these things, pros and cons of creatine later on. The first one I'm going to start with is partly because it's a question I want to answer. And it's also because I actually have a big announcement about it that I'm very excited about that I want to tell people about because I'm, I'm embarking on a new journey, Ooh. a new business journey that I want to uh, tell people about that I think is going to be, uh, I'm very excited. I, it could be a huge failure. I could lose a lot of money and it could be a huge failure, but uh, I want to explain it. So so someone asked me a question yesterday and ever since I started doing jujitsu, I started getting these questions. Uh, someone said, how do I balance between jujitsu and strength training? How do, how do I like balance my training between those two? And I'll talk about that in a second, but I'm very excited that I'm officially starting a uh, company around, it's going to be an app for jujitsu athletes, whether you're just a hobbyist or a competitor for jujitsu workouts. It'll be, and I don't know the name yet. And I don't like, I'm working on all of this. It's it's in the early stages of development. The app is in the early stages of development and I'm going to be very transparent with all of it. But what I want to say is, while I am creating this and I'm telling you now, this is not going to be a company that I want my face or name behind, unlike Syat Fitness, which mm-hmm. is my name and it's my face and it's it's me. This is a company that I'm going to, the name will have nothing to do with me. The logo will have nothing to do with me. And well, in the early stages, people will find out about it because they know me. My goal is that as it progresses and builds, people will be signing up for it who have no idea who I am who have never heard of me and they'll use the app and they'll still never know me. They'll never know who I am. They just enjoy the app. They enjoy the workouts and they enjoy the benefits of it. This is a very different business venture that I've ever done before. And I'm really excited about it, but I'm going to be as transparent and honest about it as I possibly can, just because I think it might be beneficial for people to learn about the early stages of something and building this type of business. So I'm creating the app right now in terms of the initial estimates for the cost, just for the first iteration of the app, I was told it would be between fifty dollars to $60,000 just for the first iteration. And that's just an estimate. It'll mm-hmm. probably be more than that. And that every update thereafter is often usually between like ten dollars to $40,000, depending on uh, how intensive the update is. So anytime someone's like, oh, this seems a little bit expensive. I'm like, Do you know how much it costs to create the app in the first place? So that I'm very excited about. And I just wanted to, to the wheels are in motion right now. It's still super early, but I wanted to to say that because I'm excited. And I also, you know, this could be a huge flop. It could be a huge flop. I could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and a lot of time and effort and energy. But I think I, one thing I take very seriously about having an audience is I want to show people the truth as often as I can. And if this is a huge failure, I want you to see that from start to finish. I want you to see like, listen, this is how much I put down. This is how much I lost. This is how much time, all that. If it's a huge success, cool. I want you to see it. And I want you to see the failures along the way. But yeah, so that's what's going on with that. I will say, if we could talk about sort of 
creating the balance between jujitsu and strength training. Just like to give a little bit of yeah. insight into that. One, this is something I've been wanting to do since I started jujitsu. I've been wanting to create something for jujitsu athletes since before I started jujitsu. But the re- one of the reasons I started jujitsu was because I knew I had to experience it and reach somewhat of a high level before I actually could give great advice on it. And um, I've been doing it now for almost for about four years, training between four to six days a week, every single week. And uh, my idea was I'm going to wait until I get to purple belt because purple belt was the first advanced belt. Mm, And um, so you go white, blue, purple, brown, black, and to get your black belt usually takes about 10 years. So the saying in in the jujitsu community is it takes longer to get your black belt than it does to get a medical degree, which is, it's true. Like it's, it's different than Taekwondo or karate or any of these other martial arts where it often will take like three to five years to get your black belt. Jujitsu, it's, it's a much longer and more arduous process. So I was like, I need to wait until I get my first advanced belt before I can really try and create this. But through the last few years, like four years of training, I've been trying my absolute hardest to figure out how can I create a balance between strength training and cardio and jujitsu. Because the thing about jujitsu or one of the things is it's, it's very taxing on your body. It's very taxing and trying to balance strength training and cardio, all the demands of jujitsu with strength training and cardio on top of it can be very difficult, especially for just hobbyists, people who are not the best competitors in the world who dedicate every waking moment of their life to this, someone who just they have an hour here and there. How do you combine it all? And I think uh, I've gone through a number of iterations of training programs. And, and I'll start start off by saying what I think is a bad idea and then go towards what I've found more recently. My favorite type of training program, as any Inner Circle member will know, is an upper body, lower body split, a four-day-a-week training program. And this is for everyday people, whether you want to get super strong powerlifting or just be strong and healthy and fit in general, four days a week, upper lower split. That's my personal favorite training program. Yep. And we, and we talk all about why in an episode on program design. Yes. Um, let's put that in the show notes. Out. We'll put that in the show notes, the, the link to the program design podcast. Did. Thank you, Tony. However, I hate that program design option for jujitsu especially if you're training jujitsu more than three times a week. I absolutely hate it because it is too stressful. It's too much on top of jujitsu training and on top of the cardio you're going to do as well. It's too much. And I tried to force myself through that because that's just my own personal bias and that's what I'm used to. I tried to do that for too long and I was like, I, I can't maintain this. It's like my joints are aching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hurting my performance. It's not helping. So. Then I switched to a three-day-a-week strength training program. And instead of doing the lower body, upper body, full body that I also spoke about in that program design and that I also have in the inner circle, I switched it to something that I thought would be better from a jiu-jitsu perspective, which is a a push-pull legs style program. So push, it's your upper body, anything pushing, push-ups, overhead press, tricep press-downs, anything push-up related, anything push-related. Pull is upper body pull, so rows, chin-ups, bicep curls, these are all rowing movements. And then legs is obviously legs, everything legs. Now, this is my current favorite routine for people who really need to get stronger, Mm -hmm. right? So 
if if someone in jujitsu has limited strength training experience and or they just they need to get stronger, I think this is the absolute best option for sure. Push pull legs, three days a week strength training, thirty to fifty minute workouts, and you're good. If someone has a good enough strength base, like I would consider myself, because a world record powerlifter, I've strength trained for almost twenty years now. My strength is not my limiting factor. I actually think the best option, and this is going to, I think, surprise a lot of people, is a body part split, like a bodybuilder style. Hmm. Are like biceps one day, triceps another day, legs another day, shoulders another day. And I do something every day, but it literally takes like 15 to 20 minutes. Just like one body part, isolated, 20 minutes, and I'm done. And this, I think, has been it's been great for me because I don't, I don't need to get stronger anymore. I'm strong enough. Four times body weight deadlift, strong enough. Doing weighted chin-ups with 100 pounds around my waist, strong. I don't need to get stronger. There's a point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And so now my focus is maintaining my strength and improving my endurance with that strength. And so, so much of my strength training now is far less about getting stronger and more about being able to produce that force over a a longer duration of time. So a lot more, uh, a little bit more metabolic based, a little bit more cardiovascular based, but while maintaining that strength. And it's great because now I have more time for stretching. Mm -hmm. I have more time for cardio. I have more time for other recovery modalities. And again, I would not use this for someone who's a beginner and who needs to get stronger. I would do the push-pull legs for someone who really needs to get stronger. But for the people who are already very strong, it's I, I love this routine. And it's just something every single day, 15 to 20 minutes, and I'm done. Few, like three exercises and I'm out. And what it sounds like is you're also not going to go into your jujitsu sessions fatigued because you're not doing exactly full-body right. compound stuff. You're not really loading the whole body in that way. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, on the, on the lower body days, like on the the leg day, I'll still I'll lift relatively heavy. But the cool thing is, in order maintaining strength is so much easier than gaining strength. Maintaining where you are, and this is true with weight in terms of like body fat. This is true with gaining strength and muscle. This is true in life with maintaining your level of knowledge is much easier than gaining a higher level of knowledge, right? I mean, staying where you are, that's what we're best at, homeostasis. Like, that's what we're designed to do. So maintaining strength is actually unbelievably easy. I don't need a huge stimulus or a lot of volume in order to maintain my strength. I just, it's gaining strength is the difficult part. So for, even if I'm deadlifting, I don't need to deadlift anywhere near my max in order to maintain the strength I have to deadlift my max. So the workouts are a little bit easier. They're less stressful. They're less taxing. I'm not doing as much. And um, I'm able to improve other strength qualities, conditioning and endurance and, and all of that without sacrificing my actual strength. And then also bringing more intensity to my jujitsu training because I'm so fresh and I'm not exhausted from those heavy lifting sessions. So right now, my debacle, my struggle with the jujitsu app is trying to figure out how to structure the programs in the best way for each individual, right? Because the body part split would not be good for people who really need to build real strength. Right. So my question is, okay, should I have 
two different monthly programs, like one for someone who needs to build strength, one for someone who needs to maintain strength. Is that what I should do? I don't know. So like, I'm trying to think of it all. If anyone has any ideas, feel free to, to message me or message Tony and, and give me your thoughts on this. But the one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to have 20 different programs that I'm writing every month because then people will like, well, which one should I choose? It's too much. At most, I want three different programs at most per month. But even that I feel like is a little bit too much. I think one or two would probably be better. And my debacle is trying to figure out how to structure it. Maybe I should just do one and then go through different phasic cycles. Like this cycle, we're going to do push pull legs. This cycle, we're going to do body part split. This cycle, we're going to do this. Now I'm talking about it. I think that actually does make a lot more sense that way. Yeah. Um, but I don't, what do you think, Tony? So I guess the question is, is this going to be like consistent programming? Like yes. every month you get new stuff? Just like the inner circle. So okay. the inner circle, every month, brand new program, three times a week option, four times a week option. And there are other programs people can choose from, right? I have a chin-up specialization program. I have a deadlift specialization program. I have a powerlifting peaking program. I have push-up pro. Like we have specialization programs, but the vast majority of members just follow every month, brand new training program. Here's the May 2023. Here's the June 2023, the July 2023. And so people will follow the new program every month. And that's what I, I was thinking of doing with this as well. And I think the advantage of that, as opposed to say, so another model I've seen is people do like, this is X program and it's eight weeks and you buy it mm. a la carte. And then this is Y program and it's eight weeks. And they give you like modifications so you can, yep. you know, uh, scale it. But you're like buying a program with this. Yeah. You don't really have to think about it. You just subscribe to the app, right? And it that's just, it. Yep. It just takes just care do of it. that for you. Yeah. Every month you get the new program, that's exercise cool. videos, everything. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I like that model better than the just buy this program. I've actually found that consistency and adherence is much greater when someone is following it month to month as opposed to when they just buy the program. I mean, how many times have you like bought something, whether it's a book or whatever it is, and then you don't even read it, mm. right? Like you buy something and you're like really excited about it and maybe you start it, but then you stop really, really quickly. I've found when you buy something, whether like a, a subscription type thing, you're far more likely to use it consistently than when you just buy a one-off program. That's the whole reason behind the model of, of my business. It's not a business model for business. It's a business model for your success. And mm. I've gone through everything before. I've sold the programs. I've done the other types of coaching. Everything I do is designed to try, all right, behaviorally, what are people most likely to stick with? And that's it. Like, and that, that's why I structure it that way. I think people are far more likely to stick to it because of that. That's awesome. I'd love to hear what people's uh, input would be. Uh, one idea that just comes to mind, which I don't think would work, but I'm just going to say for the sake of spitballing. But what if you had a program that's belt based? So like, all right, if you're mm. just starting, you know, if you've never done jujitsu, this is typically what people lack grip strength, for example, or shoulder mm -hmm. stability or core, y you know, better than I would, but, mm -hmm. and then if you're, if you're experienced and, or an experienced lifter, let's say your blue belts are up or you've spent X number of years, strength training, et cetera, mm -hmm. you could do this, which is more of a single body, single, uh, workout split. The only, the, I, it's a great idea. The only issue with that is there are black belts who are, their bodies are destroyed because they've never strength trained. Mm. And the black belt who is in, like the most advanced 
I would put them on a push-pull legs program because they need the strength. There are, there are some people, some of the highest level jujitsu competitors in the world have never strength trained, which is fucking wild. And so it's, for me, it's, it's not about their, their rank in jujitsu and their rank in the gym are entirely separate. Mm. And one thing I've really wanted to incorporate into the inner circle and into my coaching for, for fitness is a belt system. I've really wanted to because it's, it's amazing. The belt system is just a, an amazing visual representation of how far you've come. And, uh, and it, I think it's very motivating. Like when you get a stripe on your belt, you get a new belt promotion. Like it feels amazing. The, the issue with that is I could do it if I was coaching people one-on-one, I could yeah. give them a new stripe. I could give them a new belt in a larger scale program. It would be more, it would have to be based on something like, okay, this person has been this per, this consistent they've tracked this many workouts over this period of time so they get the new stripe or okay cool they've been super consistent for two years you get the next belt whatever it is it would be more difficult to really make it make sense if yeah. it, you know what i mean like whereas with the one-on-one you could have a much better idea so uh long story short it's a great idea but the the you, you might be a black belt in jujitsu but a no stripe white belt in strength training and, and what you might need could have uh, no relevance to how far you've come in jujitsu. So what that tells me is that the act of doing jujitsu over and over again is not actually preparing your body adequately to do jujitsu. That's, that's yeah. To, 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 um, to withstand the stresses of jujitsu is probably the the most accurate way I could phrase it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's dude, the injuries are the chronic pain and injuries that people have who don't strength train, it's devastating. It's it's crazy because they we all know this. I don't think a lot of people understand why, but strength training is one of the best things you can do to prevent injuries. It's one of the absolute best things. It's one, it's one reason why I am infuriated when I see young women not strength training, like their coaches, like when I see young women's sports teams, soccer teams, cheerleading teams, whatever, dude, the ACL blowout rates for young women are so astronomically high. And there are many reasons for it. Yes, the Q angle in their hips, but one of the easiest ways to prevent an ACL blowout is strength training, getting stronger glutes and hamstrings. It's the easy, the simplest way to prevent it. And you see a lot of these coaches of young women's sports teams not having their young women strength train. It's like you're injuring them by not having them strength train. And so it's it's not only important for the performance aspect of actually being able to be stronger than someone else and assert your will and create more force and all that, but just so that you can have more longevity in sport and be pain-free and injury-free. It's, it's the most important thing you can do. Yeah. And, and I think this speaks to as our understanding of health and fitness advances, you know, you know, the term holistic, I don't know if that's the right term that I'm looking for, but the idea that we're not just looking at a single modality, we're not just looking at strength. We're not just looking at diet. We're not just looking at fitness or, um, we're not just looking at one thing. Um, and so if we're talking about, uh, martial art, we're not just talking about the art, the practice of learning the martial art. We're talking about other things that work with it 
in in synergy or against it. Um, yeah, I think there's something to this, Jordan. We'll see, brother. It could it could do really well, or it could flop. It could just be a massive, massive failure. But that's one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about it. I was thinking maybe I should keep it secret. That I was like, no, I want to talk about this because I don't know many people, and by many I mean any people who start a business from ground zero and share the entire process from Genesis to whatever. Right. And so I think it might be cool for people to get updates on it, see how it's doing. And I will be fully honest. If it is failing, I will tell you explicitly it is doing terrible. If it's doing well, then I'll tell you. But um, I think it, it might give people some perspective in regards to the ups and downs and highs and lows of, of owning a business. Oh, yeah. I'm subscribed. I want to <laughs> I want to hear the play by play. Have you heard of the podcast? Uh, I think it's called Startup. I could be wrong, but it's on. I've Gimlet. heard of that. I've never listened to it. Check it out, especially the first season. Okay, uh, it's good. Yeah, check it out. It's it's okay. basically what you're describing in podcast. Oh, wow. Okay, form. awesome. Um, And it's really well done. And yeah, I think you'll love it and learn a lot and yeah, all of the above. So check it out. I will definitely check that out. Everyone listening, you should not check that out. Just keep listening to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Stay here. Just joking, obviously. No, no, no. I, I absolutely check it out. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. So that's what's going on. That's what's going on. All right. Should I go to the next question? Let's or see anything it. more? All right, we'll go to the next one. All right, let's see. So this is one that I think is really important. And, and I answered this on my QA the other day and it got a really good response. So I wanted to reiterate it here. Reiterate it here. Someone asked when when you're maintaining uh, uh in terms of a consistency level is 80% consistency good or should i be higher and i want to to read my response to what this person said and then we can dive into it i said 80% consistency is amazing it allows for enough freedom to really enjoy yourself and have a balance but also show real results relatively quickly Keep in mind, 80% consistent is a B minus. So if you're 80%, don't compare yourself to someone who's being 95%, which is an A. They will have faster results. Now, just because it's faster doesn't mean it's better or more sustainable. Long story short, don't compare yourself to someone else. Just focus on you and between 70 to 90% consistent is an amazing range. And I want to expand on this. I have many people, many clients, many Inner Circle members who, because we have in the Inner Circle app, we have a consistency tracker. Mm -hmm. You track it and it gives you the percentage range. So it will tell you, all right, you were 68% consistent this month, whatever it is. And it tracks it for you, which for me is the greatest tool I've ever come up with. And I think it's one of the greatest tools, if not the greatest tool for consistency in anything, because it tells you, it gives you a grade every month. You got a C minus, you got a B plus, like, cool, awesome. I have so many members who are like, hey, I was only 72% consistent this month but I lost three pounds and my strength increased on these lifts. Da, da, da. And I think I, I've been a huge proponent of the 80-20 rule, 80% consistent, but it's not black and white 80-20. I see a lot of people making progress, great progress on 70% consistent, on 65% consistent. Now, generally speaking, 
the earlier and newer you are to this, the less consistent you can be and still make progress. But the more advanced you get, the leaner you get, the stronger you get, the more consistent you need to be in order to continue making progress. So when I say the range of 70 to 90%, if you're a beginner, 70% is amazing. 70%, fuck, 50% consistent. Doing anything better than you've been doing it before is amazing and you'll see results. But as you get better and as you improve, you will require a higher level of consistency in order to continue to improve, especially at the rate that you want. So I, I think this is where the 80-20 rule makes sense in a, the world of averages. But um, it's so funny. I, I've just seen so many Inner Circle members say things like 68% consistent, 72%, 74%, and they'll share it. And they'll also share their results. I'm like, this is fucking wild. It's like you're you're making insane progress without even being as consistent as people think they should be. And uh, I love that because the more balance you can have in your life, the better in my opinion. And if that means like, if you're making amazing progress and improving your health at 70% consistent, and then you're enjoying yourself and you're going out and you're not obsessing over fitness, I think that's the that's what we should strive for. We should strive for it taking up the least amount of mental and emotional energy as possible while still making progress. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's... The range is going to change based on the individual, but that's that's what I would say in regard to an 80% consistency rate. Yeah, and to your balance comment, you often say if someone's at 100% consistency, that actually mm-hmm. makes you more worried than if they're at, you know, 70% consistency. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I totally, I totally agree with that. Dude, 100% consistency. If someone's 100% consistent month over month, they've got a problem. That's a disorder. And I don't say that lightly. That is a disorder. Because in order to maintain 100% consistent, and actually I should clarify, if consistent for, it depends on what consistent is, what you define as consistent. If consistent is getting 10,000 steps a day and you're 100% consistent, that's not necessarily a disorder. That's fine. Like there are many ways to do that in a very healthy way. If consistency for you is perfectly hitting your calories every single day, perfectly hitting your protein, your calories, your fats, your carbs, never missing a workout, and you're 100% consistent for six months straight with that, that's a disorder. Because inevitably over that six-month time frame, there will be birthdays, there will be holidays, there will be days where like, who knows, maybe there's a, a, a family emergency. If there's a family emergency and you're worried about hitting your calories, that's a fucking disorder. That's a big problem. If there's a vacation and you're really worried about hitting your calories and you're on vacation and you perfectly hit your calories on vacation, that's a fucking disorder. These are things where it's like you're, it's too much. It is, it's too much in your head and you need to fucking chill. And if you get mad at me saying that it's a disorder, that should trigger you even more to say there's something wrong that I really need to address. Because if it makes you mad when you hear me say that you're being 100% consistent for in outrageous extremes, that's a big problem. Now, if you're a high level competitor and your like your income depends on it, cool. That's fine. It doesn't mean you don't have a disorder, but it means that like you're doing it because that's your job. And like sometimes you need to go to extremes for your job. I was just talking to my buddy Sean about this yesterday. If you're not a competitor and you're just a hobbyist and you're doing this 
because you want to enjoy it, but you are so strict and rigid with yourself and you will not allow yourself to have one off day. That is a disorder and you need to relax. You need to step away from it and be okay not being perfect. If you're constantly 100% perfect, it's it, it's not perfect. It's prison. Or, or maybe you're, you need you, to join join the sport, you know? <laughs> I, I You know, and I would actually caution against it because, yeah. dude, I, I know a lot of people. This is one of the reasons why so many people get involved in bodybuilding and physique com- competitions and all that because they're so obsessed with it and they need to justify their obsession. And, I, and I'm not saying everyone who does it and all of that. I'm not saying everybody, but I, there's a lot of research is coming out and intuitively we just all know this, but there's a lot of research coming out now, which is, it's unique and interesting to see that the highest rates of body dysmorphia are among figure competitors, bodybuilders, all of them. And what a fucking shocker. They focus on their body all day, every day. It's all they think about, all they talk. It's like, that's what they look at. So they judge themselves. It's how they judge others. Of course, you're going to have the highest rates of body dysmorphia. You're literally stepping on stage, being judged by other people on your body. So of course, and I've actually worked with a number of physique competitors and bodybuilders, not to improve their physique, but to improve their mindset. And I know a lot of them stay in the sport. They deliberately stay in it, not because they like it, but because that's the only way that they can continue to stay that lean as often as they are. When they are competing, when they have a competition day in which they have to step on stage, they can always use that as a fallback to say, well, you know, I have a competition, so that's why I'm bringing my food to Thanksgiving in a Tupperware. That's why I'm not enjoying myself. That's why I'm counting my calories on vacation because they can always fall back on, I've got a competition that I need to prepare for. It's like, (laughs) it's not healthy, man. It's, it's, it's eating people's lives away. It's uh it's, it's just not good. So I would say if, if your income is dependent on it, that's a separate discussion. Sometimes you, you don't always have that choice, but most people who are competing in these shows and doing these things, they're paying to compete. They pay an entrance fee. They pay for their, their bathing suit or their, whatever they're wearing. They pay, they, a lot of them have to wear wigs because especially the women, they're losing their hair. They've got to put wigs on. They're paying for the tans. They're paying for all of it, right? It's like, if your income is dependent on it because you're getting paid to do this stuff, that's one thing. But if you're paying to further your disordered habits, that's a big problem. There it is. That's it. That's it, Tone. All right. Let's see. Let's go to another question. All right. Here's a, here's a question. Someone wrote, Christine, Christine Elise wrote, what are the pros and cons of creatine? This is a really good question. There's a lot of discussion around creatine in the last few years. And actually, not, not even just the last few years, for, for many years, even since when I first got in the industry in like 2006, there was a lot of discussion around creatine. So it's not new. Uh, I remember wanting to take creatine when I was a kid. My mom wouldn't let me take it because she thought it was a steroid. So <laughs> it's not a steroid. It is, uh, it's, it's not a steroid at all. It's very safe to take. But it's not necessary at all. And I want to make this abundantly clear. It is 100% not necessary for anyone to take. By definition, it is a supplement And by the definition of a supplement, it is supplementary, if you would like. And I know a lot of people feel like these things are, oh my God, I need to be taking it. It's going to make huge gains. It's going to completely change my my entire life. No, it's not. 
people think you start taking creatine, all of a sudden your max deadlift goes up 20 pounds. No, practically speaking, you start taking creatine. What might happen is if you're doing bicep curls with 20 pounds for eight reps, maybe you'll be able to get 20 pounds for nine or 10 reps. That's really like, that's the practical change you might see from starting to take creatine, which over time has a compounding effect in terms of cool. So you can get a few more reps in, stress the muscle a little bit more, get a little bit stronger. So small increases over time, but it's not going to make you a world record lifter. It's not, not to mention because most other people are taking it too. So like, and that's the whole argument for and, steroids, by the and way. Isn't it but, also <laughs> found in a lot of just food in your diet? Like, yeah, if you, you eat getting steak. creatine from meat? Yeah. Yep, you're getting creatine, exactly. And and there's a, a certain level that you need in order to saturate your stores of it, which is why people would supplement with it. But it's naturally occurring. Most of us get it in our diet, no problem. But the supplementation of it would just help in order to saturate your stores on a consistent basis, which essentially, the, the easiest way to explain it is it gives your muscles more energy. That's it. It gives your muscles more energy in order to generate more force and to to help you lift heavier weight. It is not something that you should be taking for an endurance. It wouldn't hurt your endurance, but it's not going to help your endurance. If you want to help your endurance and you want to supplement, beta alanine would really be the, the supplement that can help with higher repetition, more endurance-based training. But creatine is more of a maximal strength based uh based supplement that if you want to get much stronger whether it's get increasing your strength or, or increasing muscle size hypertrophy uh getting bigger muscles it's something that would that could potentially help with that as well what's worth noting also there's a certain percentage of people that are non-responders to creatine there's a significant number of people that will take it and they will not respond to it at all now the research that i'd seen years ago said it was close to about a third of people since then, I've seen that number drop a little bit. It may be like maybe like a, a little bit less than a third, but there will be a significant number of people who would take creatine and not respond to it at all. So, so here's what I'll say: If we're going to talk, answer the questions deliberately. Pros and cons. Pros: It can absolutely, if if you are a responder to it, it can help you increase maximal strength. It can uh, help you lift slightly heavier, do a couple more reps with a certain amount of weight. Um, there are there's research emerging around the neuroprotective benefits of creatine, which basically is a fancy way of saying like it could potentially help prevent against things like Alzheimer's uh, and things like that. Which I'm always hesitant to say stuff like this because if we're really looking at the research around what's the the best way to prevent that type of stuff, number one is we don't know fully. A lot of it is genetic, and a lot of it we just don't know why this happens. I have Alzheimer's in my family. It's super scary. I saw my grandmother go through it from a very young age. I saw my grandmother not recognize my mom, not recognize her daughter. Absolutely fucking devastating. So when I hear people talk about like, oh, yeah, this is going to help prevent against Alzheimer's, I'm like, fuck off, dude. Like You have no idea what you're talking about, and you're just trying to use your discount code so you can get money by people paying for your fucking creatine. If you really want to do your best to prevent against things like Alzheimer's, it's keeping your brain active, learning a new skill, trying new things. That's the, the to date, not a, currently not in the research. Alcohol. Not abusing alcohol, not a, abusing drugs. To date, the most proactive thing that you can do is... um is learn. Forever student is one of the best ways to help prevent against that, whether it's, you know, they, they talk about things like Sudoku and, and all of that. But that's one of the reasons I love jujitsu is because it's it's a constant learning process. It's it's more of a mental thing where I'm, it's, I'm constantly trying to learn uh, and trying to stay mentally stimulated. So 
there are potential neuroprotective benefits. I think as of the current literature, they're massively overplayed. They, they People talk about them without fully knowing the extent of them. And I think that they're not nearly as great as a lot of people are making us believe they are. Now, if research comes out and says, holy shit, this thing can legitimately prevent against Alzheimer's, I will gladly come back and say, everyone take it. Like this is super important. But to date, the current research does not support that. It's just, it's like a potential. It could, we just don't know. So the other pro is that generally speaking, it's very inexpensive. It's like, it's very affordable. And that's the the unique thing about the most effective supplements are the most affordable supplements. The supplements that actually work are not very expensive. Mm-hmm. Whereas the supplements that don't actually work, like the crazy fat burners you see in the locked case at GNC and vitamin shop, those are super expensive and they don't work. The more something, the more viable something is, especially in the, the supplement industry, the far more affordable it is. So that's the, it's great. It's a, it's very, very affordable. It's very safe. There are many different types of it. Creatine monohydrate tends to be the, the most readily available form in powder form. Um, it can, in some people, uh, one of the cons would be it can cause some gastric distress, stomach upset. I know for me, monohydrate does do that. So if I'm ever taking creatine, uh, I would just take micronized creatine in powder form, which is a bit more expensive, but the rates of stomach gastric issues are are far lower. What's the difference besides the effect? Like what's the, what are, what is monohydrate versus micronized? Dude, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know what they do to micronized. Mm-hmm. Let's actually quickly Google it. Difference between monohydrate and micronized creatine. Let's just see what a quick Google search says. The key difference is that monohydrate is available as a pill, powder, or capsule, whereas micronized creatine is available as a powder that has creatine with very small particle size. Got it. So it's just apparently smaller particle size, mm. which might have a lesser effect on, or a lesser uh, negative effect on your stomach. I don't know if this Enhanced is Enhanced solubility is what I'm seeing. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's just smaller it's, particles. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. And I love that because it's like, it's not a complex answer. It's not like, well, it has like these unique properties. It's fucking smaller. That's all it is, right? <laughs> it's And this is, this is like my, this is my brand of fitness. It's like, it's just fucking smaller. It's it. all, it's like, it's, uh, I love that. That was perfect. So yeah, so I, if I was going to take it, which I haven't taken creatine in a long time, I would take micronized creatine. Um, and why don't I take it? Well, because I, I just, I hate taking shit and I hate remembering to take it and you have to take it every day. I take my blood pressure medication every day, right? I take that, but like, I don't want to have to remember a million different supplements to take. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just, would it increase my strength slightly? Yeah, it would. Is it worth it for me? Nah. If I was competing in powerlifting, yeah, I would probably take it because I'd want it. I'm competing and I want to get the the most edge that I can out of everything. Unless um, you're one, the one third of the population that's a non-responder. Which, which I should say, I haven't looked at the newer research around that. So it could be less or more, but my gut tells me it's a little bit less than that. But yeah, it, unless you're a non-responder in which nothing happens whatsoever, in which case the big con is you're just wasting your fucking money. Mm. Like, and that's all it is. I, I just think it's funny that the first place people go when they start getting into fitness is supplements. It's the first place they go. And it's so fucking funny to me 
when it's like you you haven't been consistent with strength training, you're not consistent with your sleep, you're not consistent with your protein, you're not consistent with your calories. And the first place you're going is creatine. That is wild to me that without any level of consistency, the first place you're going is vitamin shop or GNC or going to your favorite influencers supplement and, and you're you're getting you're using the discount code and stocking up on all these vitamins and all like what the fuck are you thinking? For what it's worth, that's exactly what I did when I first started lifting. Uh, yeah, I think it's what most people do. Yeah, yeah. It's marketing, man. It's it's a hundred percent marketing, and that's it's exactly so seductive. Right. It's like, oh, I wanna, I want to achieve these goals, and these are all these things that are gonna give me an edge. You know, it's gonna help me get there faster, and it feels. I think I talked about this last episode. It feels validating to, you know, do more than just strength drink mm. and eat well and sleep. Like it feels validating to to you know to feel like you're really pursuing this goal but the sleep the strength training the the consistency right that's that's what's mm-hmm. going to get you there over the long run is what i'm what the, i'm learning the, fu- the funny thing is like you, you said it you said it best everyone wants an edge right well the edge is a teeny tiny little edge. like it's this it's not even a centimeter the broad strokes are the are you working out three to four times a week? And when I say working out, I don't mean looking at your phone and doing a couple sets here and there and then leaving the gym. I mean, like, are you fucking working out? Are you trying to improve? Are you lifting heavier? If you're lifting and you're not making grimacey faces, you're not lifting heavy. You're not lifting heavy enough. Even now when I'm not trying to get stronger, I'm still doing, like I put out, there's a video on my story right now of me doing an exercise from last night for my, my adductors and hip mobility. And like, I'm making that scrunchy face. Mm-hmm. Like it's really difficult if you're not working out consistently and you're not trying hard during your workouts. And when I say consistently, I don't mean for a week or for a month or even for a year. I don't think anybody, I, if I was in charge of like the fitness world, if there was like a president of the fitness world and I was the president in this fic- fictitious world, uh, I would Mr. not president, allow, we have a situation. <laughs> Dude, I would make a law and by the decree of the president of the fitness world, this law would not allow anybody to buy any supplements unless they were consistent for three years with their workouts, with their nutrition, and with their sleep. You could, you weren't allowed to step foot in a GNC or a vitamin shop. You aren't allowed to go onto a supplement website and buy them for three years of consistency. The you need only, your blue belt, folks. The, you need your blue belt, man. 95% of jujitsu uh, white belts don't get their blue belt. 95%. And I would say it's probably around the same for people with fitness. 95% of people never get their blue belt in fitness. They never stay consistent for at least two to three years straight. The only potential exception, the only one for the supplements would potentially be protein powder because mm. it's just such a convenient way to get protein in. And I don't really even consider it a supplement. I just consider it it's protein. Yeah. It's just food. And if you want to get more protein in while staying in your calories, it's so convenient and it can really help you with that rather than like, I don't know, it's eight o'clock and I don't want to have a fucking chicken breast. Cool. I'll just have like a scoop of protein, hit my protein for the day. That would be the only exception. You have your protein shake right there. I, had, I love that was it. breakfast. Yeah. Love that. That, that would be the only exception. I, but I don't consider that a supplement. I just consider that food. Creatine 
or beta alanine. Um, uh, like it's so funny. Like I'm so out of touch with, uh, Yohimbine, HCL, uh, all, all these different supplements. You're not allowed. You are not fucking allowed in the store. You have to have your card. You have to have like your, your, like some type of AI technology will know <laughs> if you've been consistent or not. And if you have not been consistent and maybe you've been going for three years, but like you've literally never ever exerted a significant amount of effort into it. Nope. Haven't been consistent. You haven't even tried yet. Go back, start over. Right. It's like I'm imagining you, some like retinal scan eye detector yes. test, you know, like minority report yeah. type thing. Like, yeah. Oh, man, that's 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 what I would implement yeah, specifically for fitness stuff. Like, You're not even allowed in. Get the fuck away. <laughs> oh, you're a 15 year old, like my 15 year old self, like going into vitamin shop and spending all of my mom's money. Like, nope, get out of here. You're not allowed to spend your parents money on supplements and you're not allowed to, to be in here unless you've been consistent for three years with strength training nutrition and sleep and it has to be all of them mm -hmm. and it's gonna know like you go up you're like oh no i've been super consistent it's like oh well our retinal eye scanner says that you've been going to bed at two in the morning every night after scrolling tiktok for four hours and you're waking up at eight so like you're really only getting a few hours of sleep no you haven't been consistent yet come back in three years all right here's <laughs> to go back to to the previous question what percentage so everybody in the world is is on the consistency calendar on inner circle what yeah, percentage yeah. is the threshold after those three years to be able to buy some creatine i would say i you know what i'm gonna say um 80 percent. i'm gonna say 80 percent. like because you can you can still make absolutely amazing progress at 70 yep. percent, like i said but as you get more advanced, you're going to need to increase the percent, the, the rate of consistency, the percentage of consistency. And if you're not at 80 yet, you're really not maximizing the results that you could get on your own without it. Mm -hmm. It's like if we're talking about getting the edge, getting that little edge, it's you're essentially saying you've maximized everything that you can do on your own. Right. So once you've maximized that, then you can start searching for the edge. Most people are searching for the edge when they're nowhere fucking near the edge. Yeah. Like you have no reason to search for the, like you, there's no, what edge are you looking for? There's you're, there's no reason for you to be looking for the edge. You haven't gotten the fucking side of the boat yet. Like let's, let's go. Like there's so much to work on before we yeah. start looking for the edge. And I think it's emotional. Like for me, it's like, you know, I started doing starting strength mm. and I Love just that wanted program. to get stronger. You know, I wanted to build muscle. So, you know, it's like, oh, creatine, it'll help. You know, it's not, I'm not that in the weeds on it. I'm just thinking, I just want to be strong, man. And this thing says it'll help me. Yeah. But the only thing that's going to help you is lifting fucking weights. Yep. You want to get stronger? You got to lift weights. You want to be smarter? Read some books. You want to better at jujitsu? Go do jujitsu. You want to get better at making content? Make some fucking content. There's no supplement that's going to change that, right? Oof. It's like, just fucking do it. You're taking them to church. Synagogue, baby. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that just came out without like even thinking. It was just like gut response. Synagogue, baby. <laughs> um, what do you think, Tony? Should we do another one or is that it? How's your time? You know what? 
uh, my time is good, but I, my wife wants to get a workout in this morning. So I'm going to call Let's it just so it we can yep. make sure that she, she gets her workout in. So thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. It would actually, it would mean a lot. There've been a, someone left a comment recently that just infuriated me on, on the reviews. They left a three-star review, three-star review. And they said, I agree with 99% of the things you say, but when you spoke about plant-based diets, I didn't fully agree. And they left a three-star review. I'm like, you leave a three-star review, but you agree with 99% of the shit I say. What the fuck are you thinking? And I don't think people realize like how much these can help or hurt business as well. So if you could help out- Three stars is the kiss of death, you know? It's it's like, what is three (laughs) star? But like, I couldn't imagine agreeing with 99% of what someone says. And then they leave a three-star review. Like that, that would mean you agree with like, 70% 70% of the things that I say, if I, I don't know, not 99%. And it's the perfect example of most people will only leave a review if they have negative things to say. Mm. Very few people take time to like leave a, uh, to like, if I have a great waiter, I'm less likely to say something to the manager. But if I have a terrible waiter, I'm very likely to say something to the manager. So it's like, it's, uh, and that's not me personally. It's like just broad strokes. Generally, we're more likely to say something when you have a negative experience than a positive one. So if you could help out, leave a positive review. It would mean the world to me. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Share it with your friends and family. It would mean the world to, to me and to Tony. Follow Tony on Instagram. His his uh, Instagram handle is in the description or in the show notes. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.